continue my series I've started here. And um, 20 verse 7. In case you don't know, this is where the Ten Commandments are. We are taking a trip through the Ten Commandments, talking about them individually. And um, this is much of what I am saying or doing with this series is coming from this book, Ten Words. It is an excellent book. But L.J. Harry has an excellent podcast called Simplify. You can find that on any podcast um, venue, and you will be blessed by it, I promise you. But uh, I started into this, it's like, you know, I've taught on the Ten, Ten Commandments before, but this is, he does a very, he is very unique in his style of doing some things. So a lot of what I'm saying is coming from this book. I'm not trying to plagiarize by no means, and I know Brother L.J. Harry is, I've heard him talk about this book on podcasts and he's encouraged people to, to share this. So um, so anyway, the Exodus 20 and 7. It's behind me. If you don't have your Bible, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I'll read it one more time. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For thou... The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word. Um, today I, I am going to start the opening of this third commandment that we're going to go over today. And this third commandment, the whole premise of this book, it, he's, he's taken and simplifying each commandment down to one word. This one is swearing. So today we're going to continue the ten, ten words and we're talking about swearing. But I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to open this up today with um, a story that Brother L.J. Harry uses in the book because it seems to be the best one. I kind of looked for some other ones, but I thought this really, this does portray the ideal what we're talking about better than anything. But uh, just right after 1865, the American Civil War had come to an end. Um, all the bloodshed between people, families, and everything had, had stopped. The soldiers had quit fighting. Uh, they laid their guns down and went back to being farmers and fathers once again. And life was starting to get back to normal. But several miles or miles from the Grant and Lincoln life there was was far from being normal for General Robert E. Lee. And during the war, um, him and Grant seemed to be maybe an equal match to each other. But after the war, General Grant was elected president and General Robert E. Lee lost his, um, who he was, to the during the war been on the losing side of it and although he stood in the losing on the losing team sidelines he was still a genius he was still general uh, of this crazy war that we just came through and um, he could have endorsed many things and the sales would have 
skyrocketed just because of his name, Robert E. Lee. And we even know now that we've, although we've had a lot of uh, controversy over the last several years about General Lee and his statue being in different places, um, he was, we see his name plastered in a lot of places. Maybe the most fam famous one some of us may recognize is the General Lee from the Duke of Hazard, right? And we see the, all this stuff, but you would think it, any company, um, any company would have done better if they just could have tagged General Lee's name to their company. A story had been told, and they say it's, maybe it's more fiction than actually fact, of a Mr. Brown who worked for an insurance company. Mr. Brown approached General, um, General Lee and said, I have not the honor of your acquaintance, General, except all the world knows you. He said, my name is Mr. Brown, and I represent a well-known insurance company. Robert Lee replied, I'm afraid my life is hardly worth insuring. Mr. Brown said, it's not about that. I come to see you. See, I understand you're not as yet permanently employed. And that was basically telling him, you know, it's, it's kind of way of saying, look, I know you lost the war, but, but I've come to give you an offer. I want you to be the... Um, to give you the president of our company and a yearly salary of $50,000. Now, in 1800s, that's a lot of money. Lee replied, he said, I thank you, sir, but I'd, I'd be of no value to your company as I know nothing whatsoever regarding insurance. But General, Mr. Brown said, you will not be expected to do any work. What we wish is to use your name. We just want to call our company by your name. And General Robert E. Lee replied, Gentlemen, all I have left is my name, and it's not for sale. Not even for $50,000 in the year of 1865. What we need to understand today is that our name is more than what you may put as you sign a check. Your name is more than what you may put on you see the tags like we go to these ladies' retreats, men's retreats, or you go to some other thing where they give you a tag, and hello, my name is. Well, our name is more than what's on the name tag. Our name is our character. Our name is our reputation. That's why we don't see names like on kids like Benedict or Judas. People don't want their, their child to have the name of somebody who sold out the country Benedict Arnold or somebody who sold out Jesus as Judas I don't think I've ever met anybody named Judas I've met some Judas which means praise but never Judas and when God speaks of his own name in the Bible he's just not talking about his name Brother White preached Friday night about, about our God and our Savior and his set, title of his message was simply uh, the great I am. And it was powerful. And he talked a whole lot about just who God is. And when he talks about, when God talks about himself, we see him talk about in the Word of God, he is so many times speaking of his nature that stands behind his name. So, with the third commandment, it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
this third commandment is a command that we are to not only reverence that name, but also the nature, Sister Janet, of who God is. And this third commandment is, is for us not to allow what is so holy and so sacred to become so common in our life. And this is what the whole purpose of this third commandment is. And it's made up of some different parts, this commandment. If we look through the Word of God, at the first part of this that we want to talk about today uh, with, with this commandment that we're condensing down to swearing is we must live above profanity in our life. Because, see, we've got to be careful how we speak and how we speak God's holy name. It was not too long ago, Jake and crossed this bridge quite a bit with a, with a, a great sermon that he talked about. Uh, I don't know exactly he, he titled it, but talking about being in vain, taking his name in vain. And he talked about it quite a bit, about how in the Old Testament it got to the place that they wouldn't even say the name of God. They wanted it so sacred and so holy because of this commandment. But in our time, we see people say Jesus after a lot of different things. And we, we really have turned it into casual. Now, I know, maybe you're not there, but I have found myself at times where not now, not at all like it used to be. But I know younger, and I've been raised in church all my life, at a younger age, it was easy to fall in them categories like, you know, you get a bad grade and somebody's like, Jesus. <laughs> you look at your tax return. Man, it's like, Jesus. And, and we're not using it like, calling on his name it's just it's like a byword we go outside and it's hot or it's cold and we we tag on some phrase of of our god there and really it shouldn't be like that for for us as a child of god who bear and we wear the name of jesus in our life we are the people of the name we are uh, one reason we classify ourselves, we call ourselves Pentecost is an experience. Pentecost is when you receive the Holy Ghost. It is the experience that they felt at Pentecost. A lot of times the reason we, we tag on the apostolic and people say, what, what, apple what? You know, is because we try to live and do what the apostles taught. And a big thing that they taught uh, in the Word of God was the fact that His name is so important. So powerful. That's why we baptize His name. That's why we pray in His name. And that's why we cast out demons in His name. And we cannot just be at the place that we so casually look at that name and call that name like that. If Moses had been aware of our modern technology that we have in our lives right now, he would have warned us not only to not speak His name in vain, but he would also warned us not to text or type his name in vain. We can't curse, especially with his holy name. Because what we say reveals what we value. This is the important part of reverencing that name and the important part of what this third commandment is about. 
we should have such a reverence and fear of His holy name, which is not just that name, but who He is, that we would not even think of speaking about Him, of His name, or anything about Him in vain. And when we speak the name of Jesus, it should be in such a way that we are bringing praise to Him. Or we're bringing praise about Him. And, and you know, we've, we've heard it, you know, people take G and take, take God and, and add all kinds of letters behind it. Or we take, you know, as I mentioned, we just say Jesus or Jesus Christ in such a random way. Jesus might have been and was a common name in his day. But Jesus Christ was not a common man. By no means. Because Jesus' nature elevated his name far above any common name that there was. We're just reading it, uh, I believe it was yesterday, according to Philippians Chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. No doubt we'll probably know this as soon as I start reading it. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, listen to how he says this, those in earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I know this is going to, I hope but don't, but I know it may get to this place where we may feel a little comfortable with some of this right now, but we need to be really cautious with saying phrases like, oh my God, oh God, or God, no, or even, oh my gosh, Anything that seems to be a byproduct that uses, sounds like, rhymes with, or resembles the name of God. And I know, no doubt, so many of us are, we're at that place, and we may, we, we get to that place where we think, well, that's just kind of silly, or that's, well, really, this is the generation we're living in, though. We're, oh, that's just kind of silly, that's kind of old-fashioned. But is it? And if it is, maybe we should get back to being a little more old-fashioned with our thinking about how we reverence God. Because the thing that we begin to not have the reverence with it, when you, let me say it this way, when you can get to the place that you don't respect something, you'll destroy it. The moment we quit respecting something, we begin to destroy it. You know how it is, you buy that brand new car. You better knock, you better dust them shoes off before you get in here. You know? Yeah, it is. Don't you be drinking that in here. Don't you be eating it in here. But after about three or four years and a few miles on it, you're the one getting there like that, right? After we get used to it, it becomes common to us. It's so easy for us to lose respect and it gets destroyed. And as a child of God, we gather here on weekends and through the week we gather here. This is our filling station. This is our gas station. We're here to bless the name of God. 
We're here to bless the name of Jesus. And why do we do that? We, we, we sing about the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. We baptize for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus. We, we hallow the name of Jesus. And if we want to hallow or bless His holy name, we can't afford to leave the church where we bless His name, walk out the door, and curse His name. Because the reason we come here to bless Him and give Him glory and magnify Him because when we make it all about Him, He makes it all about us. And that's basically we're casting our cares upon Him and saying, Lord, I know I've had a bad week and I know I've went through some things, but here I am to bless Your name anyway because You're worthy. And when we do that, He begins to fill our tank back up. And this is why we have so many in our generation that's walking around feeling like they can't go another step because we have, I'll get to some of that I guess a little bit later with this, but we have just lived life to where we are just careless and thoughtless of just to be able to say, oh my God. Or even text abbreviation, OMG. And we, I've been guilty of it, and I know many of us have, but when we do that, it's almost that it brings a little bit of stain, a little bit of gloss, and brings down a little bit of the luster from who He is. And when we speak the name of our God, we need to speak His name in praise and not vain. And it's so easy to fall in the, the habits that we just... But if we could just make sure that every time we say His name, or we talk about His name, we're going to give Him praise. We're going to give Him glory. Because this is what this verse is really all about. And then, I think this verse takes it a little farther than just using His name in a profane way. But what about, let's talk about this today, about dishonesty. Because when we look at the third commandment, through God's Word, we see another facet, another part of this commandment. We see that the command for God's people is to live honestly. And when we look into that deeper, into the ninth commandment, let, let, let's look at this today. In the court of law, the highest oath that we can take, anybody know what it is? We take a Bible. We lay it out there. We swear to tell the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth, so help me God. Then we can be go sit down. That's important. It used to be. I don't know if it's much anymore. People can lay their hand on there and swear and blah, blah, blah and, and go back and lie or whatever. Be dishonest. But swearing by the name of God is still the highest oath that we can take. But honestly, it did not start in America. If we look back at the night Jesus was arrested. We can find a man by the name of Simon Peter standing outside that cold courtyard. It just left the, um, the garden where Judas, the name I mentioned earlier, had betrayed the Lord. At that moment, we see a, we see a Peter. Just moments before that, Sister Janet, we see a Peter that was bold, boisterous. He was like, you know, Lord, I'll never deny you. Lord, I'll be there, blah, blah, blah. And, and, Lord, and, and we see him come in trying to take him. And, and what does 
what does uh, Peter do? Grabs out the sword, cuts an ear off. Bold and brave Peter, right? But now we find him standing outside the courtyard, warming himself by the fire. When a little girl says, a little girl can't do anything to him. I'm going to pray for our kids. They need jobs where they be at the house of God. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, when you pray, pray, God, give our kids jobs where they can be in the house of the Lord. Anyway, Peter, he's standing outside and he's warming by the fire and this little girl, she can't do any harm, anything. She looks at him and said, you're one of his, aren't you? <laughs> and the man inside there, inside the courtyard, his hands are bound, his face is bloodied, he's bruised where they have hit him with their fist, dragging him where he was. And Simon Peter realizes, if I say yes, I am, I may end up right in there next beside of Jesus. And he looks around, and he loses that bravado, that boldness that he felt in the garden. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. You must have me confused with somebody else. No doubt he probably had an awkward moment, takes a few steps, get away from her, and he runs into another girl. Hey, guys, this guy was one of the guys with that guy, Jesus of Nazareth. Simon shakes his head and said, No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I mean, this is a little girl, probably a little, you know, you've seen that. You are. No, you're not. Yeah, that probably happened right there. I don't know. Then another group walks up to him and points their finger and says, you are one of his because you're from Galilee just like him. You've got the same accent as him. This time Simon knows he's in trouble. And he, if he doesn't get them quite, then he's going to be arrested. He's going to be right beside of Jesus up there and he may be in the same situation. No doubt what we can tell with Simon, he was hot-headed. This time is a different place. Not hot-headed to defend Jesus, but to defend himself. Turns red in his face. No doubt his heart probably racing, blood pressure rising. And he spirals so far and so fast. This is what he does. I don't know who he is. I swear to you, as the Lord lives, I've never met the man. Brother L.J. Harris says it this way in his book. Simon is so fearful and frustrated at this point. Some scholars believe he reached for the sharpest arrow in his quiver and he swore by the name of the Lord God that he never known Jesus. But Simon knew better. And they knew better. But as he stood in that courtyard within hearing distance of Jesus, he swore an oath that he had never met Jesus, although he had just walked with him for three and a half years. One of the versions I've always... Um, it really gets me. Jesus, one of the versions actually said that Jesus turns at that moment. 
in Jesus' eyes and Peter's eyes meet. Can you imagine his feeling? Simon swears it was a direct violation of the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It was and still is the highest oath a person can take is an oath to the name of the Lord. In the Old Testament books of Joshua, Rahab and her family were trapped inside the city of Jericho. She knew that they'd been hearing the stories about the children of Israel leaving, coming there to take back their promised land. For 40 years they have heard the stories because they've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And Jericho knew it was coming. And so, would, so did this lady, this harlot, Rahab. They knew that their days was done, their days was numbered because Israel was heading their way. So when the Israelite spies came to her house and promised to save her family, her and her family, because they, she helped them out, she begged them to swear to her by the Lord that they would save her and her family when they destroyed that city. Why did she do that? Because she knew it was the strongest promise that they could make. Because they, she knew how much they reverenced and loved their God and how they respected that name. She knew if they swore by the name of the Lord their God, they would keep their word, and they did. But we also see it abused. How they abused God's name and spoke His name in vain. We see the prophet Jeremiah wrote of them, as the Lord lives. But according to Jeremiah chapter 5, 2, they swore falsely. They said one thing and meant another. And when we do that, we, what we're doing, we're, we're actually bringing, uh, swearing vain in His name. Because the third commandment forbids us from using the name of the Lord our God to get away with a lie. I've heard it. You've heard it. We've done it. When people want to erase all doubt that they're lying, they sometimes reach out and they say, I swear to God. It's still the highest oath anyone can take. Yet, so many people take swearing by the name of the Lord so lightly. And it was an issue during Jesus' day. Some people worked really hard to get it right on the outside. But on the inside, they were still just as rotten and crooked as they ever could be. And dishonest. But they were smart. They knew they couldn't swear by God because they knew that they were lying if they did so. But they found loopholes, Sister Janet. And we do that today in our time. We find loopholes. So they thought if they swore by heaven or if they swore by earth, they could tell a lie and get away with it. You know, I swear, I swear to you by heaven that this was made from the finest gold there is. Right? I swear to you by the earth beneath that I worked 50 hours last week. I swear to you I did. I swear to you by the city of Jerusalem that I only made $40 in taxable income last year. In Matthew 5, Jesus 
He wanted to help us out with that. He taught us not to swear at all. He said, don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by Jerusalem. Don't swear at all. And we want to be like him. We should speak like Jesus. We should let our yay be yay. We should let our nay be nay. When we say yes, we should mean yes. When we say no, we should mean no. And we don't need to swear with these highs and lows. Our word should be enough. And this is what this third commandment is talking about. That we, his, our word should be like his word. And finally, the final way, and Jacob talked about this in his sermon. He got to that. And I want to cross that, that fence again today and talk about it. So not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that take his name in vain. You see, when, when we claim to be a child of God, we are representing his name. We represent who he is. And the, and the final thing that I want to talk about with this swearing today is hypocrisy. Hypocrites, right? The way... Of hypocrisy is dangerous. It's the third face that we see in this third commandment. And it is probably the deepest and maybe the most important one. And probably the one that most everybody is more likely that's a child of God. Claims to be a child of God. That we will find that we bring vain to his name. It is the command to live for us to live above hypocrisy. One writer said the worst profanity is not just what we say, but when we say one thing and do another, especially when we call ourselves a Christian. Maybe that's why God wrote the commandment like it did. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Maybe it's not just like we take his name into our life, but we do it so in vain. Because we're not living like we should be living. Because if He truly is our God, we must live like He's our God. And through the power of His Spirit, we've got to live above hypocrisy. Especially when hypocrisy gives unbelievers a reason not to believe. And I know how this works. I mentioned it in my first Thursday night uh, thing when I'm talking about um, this is why I repent because I was that boy that was raised in church and I would go to church and I would cry and pray on the altar and act like as a Christian and go to school and cuss and carry on and live like a devil I know what it's like to live as a hypocrite my brother was bold he didn't care if people seemed done wrong when he was young he didn't care I was the sneaky one my wife will be readily tell you that. I was a sneaky one. Oh, everybody thought Daniel was perfect. No, I was a sneaky one. I was the one that would take, go to the store. That guy, I know they should never live, has, uh, have a own store, but right there by our house, it's not a store no more. He would sell us 11, 12 year old cigarettes. And I'd hide them in my brother's truck. 
Daddy'd find him his find his cigarette, my cigarettes in his truck, and get on to him, and I'd not say a word. But I'd go to church and pray and shout. No wonder my brother came to me and told me, "You need to get in church or out of church," because he knew I was living my life in vain. And so I know what it's like to be a hypocrite. That's why I was called out that day in September of. 1987 my friend looked at me and said hey you're supposed to be a Christian why are you saying a word like that he knew he knew enough about me and my family that because he, he lived a half a mile from Star Bethlehem Church where I was raised at so he knew I went to church he seen me going there but yet he seen me at school and we've got to learn to live above that in our life. But L.J. Harris gives us a story to start with in, that he has in his, in his book. And he has another story that he ends it with that I want to use today also. Um, it is a fable of another general. Alexander the Great. Anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great before? He was one of the greatest generals in world history. It is said that while he made his rounds around the Cape camp late one night, he came upon a soldier who had fallen asleep during the guard duty. He stood in front of the soldier while the soldier slept. You ever, you ever been asleep and get that awkward feeling somebody's looking at you? You wake up and there they are. Well, the story's told that this is what happened to this guy. But he woke up to staring in the face of his general, his boss, his commander-in-chief, the one and only Alexander the Great, the one and only Alexander the Great, is staring him in the face. He was caught first-handed by the big man himself. There was no, oh, I'm just resting my eyes, I'm just hanging out here. He went through the basic training. He knew the penalty for sleeping while a guard was on duty, that it was death. Then the general asked, Soldier, do you know what the penalty is for falling asleep on guard duty? No doubt you... He probably swallowed hard and said, Yes, sir. Alexander the Great looked at him and said, Soldier, what is your name? Alexander, sir. The general was very puzzled. No, soldier, soldier, I ask you, what is your name? The soldier was puzzled and replied, his name, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great began to get very frustrated. That's something that you don't want to get upset as the most powerful man in the world to get upset at you. <laughs> so the story said that Alexander the Great spoke slower but louder. He said, I said, what's your name, soldier? The soldier could tell that the commander was very upset, very irate, and he didn't know why. And he answered one more time and said, Alexander, sir, my name is Alexander. Then it hit Alexander the Great, and he realized that they shared the same name. The general, the story says that the general nodded, he squared his shoulders, and told the soldier this. Then either change your name or change your conduct. 
Maybe the worst way to break the third commandment is by calling ourselves Christians but not living like Christians. Because if we do, we give others a reason to dishonor the name of Jesus because we represent Him. For some, we are the only representation of His holy name that they will ever see. Some out there have never heard me or others teach a Bible study or a message about the holy name of our holy God. They don't know about the fact that Genesis is the first book in the Bible and that Revelation is the last book in the Bible. They don't, they've never heard Acts 2.38 and that you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. She has it. The holy, the only Bible they read is us. And we've got to realize it is a heavy weight that we carry on our shoulder. It's His name. But it's an awesome thing to realize He trusts us to carry His holy name. And through this third commandment, God calls us to live above hypocrisy or to change our name or change our conduct. This is the whole purpose of this third commandment that we represent Him well. Lord, we love You. We thank You for Your blessings. We thank You, Lord, that You trust us with the name of Jesus. God, help us. We don't always do a very good well job with it. I know I don't, Lord. No doubt many times I, I don't represent Your name like I should. But Lord, I'm asking that you would help us, God, because the saying is so true. We may be that only Bible that anybody ever reads. And Lord, we are asking that you help us today, God. Help us in this place, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name.